Welcome to the Bodacious Women in Cannabis podcast, the show where the bold and brilliant women cannabis business leaders share their journey and their expertise. Here's your host, Susan Burns. Hello, this is your podcast host, Susan Burns. I'm also a lawyer in the cannabis industry. And what delights me more than showcasing bodacious women in cannabis? Nothing. Today, we're talking with Pam Hartwell, and Pam is the owner-operator and founder, sort of, of Mom's Farm, and Pam made a huge transition into farming at the age of, can I say it, Pam? Yes. At the age of 50. So we are going to have an amazing conversation. You're going to be so delighted you joined us. Welcome to you, Pam. Thank you so much for having me. So... It's just a pleasure. What in the world made you decide to jump into farming at the age of 50? That's a big, bold, audacious uh, wow. move, if I might say. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I Honestly, so I am farming on the land I grew up on in southeastern Minnesota, a beautiful section of the Driftless in the Coulee region, looking out over the Mississippi uh, River. Um, and... Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's such a twisted path of how I got here. I couldn't get far enough away from here when I got out of high school. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and I spent almost 25 years uh, all out in California being an activist and a mayor of a town and a nonprofit leader and organizer. Um, and one That's of the- That's impressive. Yeah, it was a really, really unique town uh, that I was a Green Party, one of the only Green Party mayors in the country. Um, so a town that would have me as their mayor is a unique town. It's Fairfax, California, greatest, greatest little town ever. Um, but some, I don't know, like my, but this is my home farm. I, I, I have a daughter who's 26 uh, and every summer of her life in Cal, you know, growing up in California, we came to my mom's farm as often as we could for as long as we could. And every year I just started loving it a little bit more. Uh, one of the nonprofits I ran was an organization called Sustainable Fairfax. And then I ran a nonprofit organization on Terra Firma Farms. And I was just connecting more and more into really the messages and the learning of my childhood. And in the meantime, my mom is here on the farm getting older and older by herself. I got a sister in Florida and a brother in Colorado, and I was out in California. And I just got to a point where I said, um, I feel like I need to be there. I feel like we need to save this land and the family. My grandparents had purchased it in the 50s, uh, 1950s. <laughs> and um, I just felt a really a call to it. And so I uh, left my husband and my nonprofit world and my mayorship <laughs> and moved 2,000 miles away with my teenage daughter to have her spend a junior year away, a cultural exchange program in rural Minnesota, <laughs> <laughs> and, and try to be a farmer, like try to find a way to save, first save the farm, help my mother in her final years live peacefully and beautifully, which we did. Nice. Um, and then, and hold on to it and see, can I make a living on this farm? And I kind of went through goats and chickens and pigs and just kept trying to find the sort of niche that worked while I was still you know, juggling nonprofit jobs in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I find my mother passed and I was finally able to buy out my brother and sister of the farm. It's a hundred, a hundred acre woods, as I like to call it. Oh, <laughs> um, that's a huge farm. And, um, 
And then, uh, you know, two, two years ago, I was really able to sell a tiny little slice of the land and then invest that into the farm. And I, and as, um, cannabis in Minnesota started the legalization process, I just got excited. I had grown for many years out in California on a medical card. I'd grown cannabis for treating my own depression and anxiety and all the things that I needed to keep that lifestyle up of doing a million and being a mom and doing a million things and living in California. um, Yeah. And I just really, I moved to Minnesota and found the just incredible lack of the, you know, kind of cannabis world that I had left in California was, was sad, but um, I wanted to be a part of making it not sad and be a part of really destigmatizing cannabis. And so last year I started uh, growing CBD um, and really Meat enjoyed hemp. it. And You're I'm growing hemp. Yeah, and I'm growing, yeah, in the Minnesota hemp program, uh, I'm growing just beautiful CBD flower. And I had kind of a test batch last year. So I'm really so, sort of new to making this a commodity crop um, and product. Um, but this year I've got almost three times as many plants in the ground. I grew them all from seed in a tent and they're just absolutely gorgeous, beautiful plants. Um, I've been a garden designer and a, and a master gardener out in California. And so for me, it's really just this love of the plant and a love of the land and a desperate attempt to make a living at it. Oh my God, <laughs> what haven't you done? Um, very God. little. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah. So before we start the interview officially, the, the podcast interview, your conversation, um, you said you were felt somewhat intimidated and I for the life of me listening to you cannot imagine why with your background and all the things you've done and accomplished and now you're farming which is probably second to motherhood the most difficult profession in the world Yeah, and starting that in your 50s is madness I don't know what I was thinking other than I'm really glad I have a lot of good younger friends Yeah, yeah well maybe the cannabis influence no, I'm kidding. Yeah. And I feel, and I honestly, like, I feel like a baby in this industry just because I've run nonprofits and I've run town. I've never run a, you know, I've never, I mean, I had a garden design business, but it was a very much a side mom business. It wasn't like, this is your full-time job to go make money and make a living and live on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm intimidated by that, by, you know, a lot of the women out there who have figured out that way to find their, you know, to find their true passion, um, and make a living. Everybody <laughs> starts at the beginning, you know, yeah, we're all, we're all reborn into different things as, as life progresses. If we're lucky, I yeah. think, I mean, some people Definitely. stay in the same, same path, oh, but um, yeah. I haven't been one of those people. I me um, either. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Too, so it sounds like you, yeah, too. Life, life's an adventure, you know, it is. So tell me about, I guess in starting your, hemp farm some of the challenges would have been it sounded like what you were saying financial in the yeah. beginning yeah so i was really, or maybe I was really fortunate yeah really fortunate to be able to sell a little slice of our property it was 120 acres and i sold sort of two little kind of a 10 and a 15 acre piece off and fortunately property is valuable here and so that was enough money to kind of allow me to quit my day job i was working for habitat for humanity 
um, I was just ready. I've been in the, I was in the nonprofit world for almost 30 years and I was tired of it. <laughs> like it's a draining, you know, and it's a very, I don't know, it was just very sedentary. And especially with COVID, it was just sitting at my house, Zooming. staring at a computer. <laughs> and I was like, my body, <laughs> yeah, my body plus menopause was like, I need to move more. I need to be doing something more physical. Um, so I think my challenges are getting my body in shape to do the physical work. Um, getting the land in shape. My mother uh, was in her 80s when she passed and for the last 15 or 20 years did not do much on the farm. Um, it was not a, a working farm by any stretch of the imagination through my entire lifetime. It was more of a hobby farm in my childhood. My mom was like one of those 1970s back to the land movement folks. <laughs> and that her. was my childhood. Good for her. Um, but it was net, this farm has not made anyone a living for a really long time. So we had to really clear space. It's as I said, you know, I told you it was like, a, we have a hundred acre woods. And so you can't grow cannabis in the woods. Oh. <laughs> so, so we had to clear, unfortunately our electrical company has a line that comes through here. And so they clear that line. And I said, Hey, can I grow under that line? And they said, absolutely. Um, so I'm growing on less than an acre um, underneath the power line. Um, and we fortunately, my mother was a stickler about uh, organics and what have you. And so she never let the electric company spray that line. They always had to manually clear it. So Good for her. I'm able to yeah, she was she she laid the foundation for something she didn't know was ever going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing about the, you know, so you have to prepare the land, but you don't have to regenerate the soil from years of abuse Definitely. from genetically modified Definitely. crops and you know yes. pesticides being so sprayed true. and all that the inputs. So, so that's yeah. Yeah. that's a benefit. Yeah. Yeah, but we have been doing really regenerative practices. I worked at a regenerative farm out in California for a while. And so I really understand the, uh, you know, the world of permaculture and regenerative farming. And so we're cover cropping and we're using our chicken and goat uh, manure as our fertilizers. Um, and we're, and I, and literally just invited people love farms. And so I've invited friends over to help out and they've come. Um, and it's just been a real, it's been a real gift uh, to have people sort of help me grow something that is uh, personal. I've spent my life as an, in the nonprofit world asking people to help others. And so it feels different, but same to sort of ask people to help me. And, and people have been excited to do so. And I feed them really well. That's my, and that's one my of your friends. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Come on down. Oh, well, I actually, um, I miss the farm because my mom was raised on a farm. And so in the summers, we'd always go to grandma and grandpa's and I was the oldest. So I, I was able to spend, you know, two weeks at a time with one of my cousins out there. I and I, I miss the farm. I do. Yeah. Yeah. People do. People love it. And it's a very sweet little word nestled in a perfect little Mississippi River Valley coolie. It's very beautiful. Uh, when my mother passed, we, um, a friend and I had visited a labyrinth at, an, at a center nearby. And um, she's like, we should put a labyrinth in your woods. And I said, yes, yes, we should put a, let's do that. And so we built a lab, we built a little stone mossy labyrinth that you can walk in our woods. Uh, so it's also just a very, it's a beautiful place of, of respite and healing and 
you know, it's just, we're right off I-90, but you feel like you're a million miles away. Very cool. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I had my, so last year was my first, on challenges, I have a whole list. Uh, <laughs> last year was my first Well, I want to know the positive outcome of your challenge. Yeah, yeah, I'll get there. <laughs> uh, and half of my field tested hot. So I had oh, to destroy no. half of my first crop. And it was 0.4%, oh, which was good. 0.3 is the legal limit. So apparently all my growing out in California trained me to grow for higher THC rather than than lower THC. So sadly, I did a little too well last year. But I feel really good. I felt I had clones last year and I did everything from seed this year and I feel really good about my cultivars and I feel really good about the plants going in. And so hopefully I'll I'll test within range better this year and next year we'll see what happens. Yeah. So are you, are you creating your own CBD from the plants that you grow? That's correct. I am creating a product that are, is a little five pack of CBD pre-rolls that are mixed with uh, herbs. Um, we all know that smoking isn't necessarily good for you, but we also know that both the, in, in the world of cannabinoids, the best way to get the medicine is to light it on fire and inhale it. <laughs> so, and it's also the best way to know that your product is really pure because you can see it. Um, I get I get a little nervous about extraction of all kinds, um, but I also when I was a smoker back in the olden days, <laughs> smoking smoking cigarettes, uh, the way I quit was smoking herbal pre rolls. Um, and so I've kind of kept that practice in my life and there's so many beautiful herbs and flowers out there that you can smoke that go beautifully with CBD. Um, and you know, have sort of a lot of the, even, I think there's like what's called the entourage effect with CBD or THC. And I find that these herbs sort of amp up that entourage effect without being like artificial terpenes or artificial this or artificial that. So um, I like to I'm keeping it as natural as possible and harvesting as much on this land as I can uh, and starting to grow even all those herbs more on this land as well. So five little pre-rolls in a little cute pack that's smaller than a box of uh, cards and even has matches and a strike plate on the box so that you have a little all-in-one package of pre-rolls Look to take you. with you anywhere you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Get, just getting the I haven't heard of I haven't heard of um, anybody in Minnesota doing that. That's yeah, I've seen them around a little bit here and there. But yeah, I've done a lot of market research out in California, and there's a lot of pre-roll packs out in California. So but aren't they I'm like, marijuana derived? Yes, yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah, there. Yeah, and the nice thing about the CBD and the herbs is that we can, I can sell them everywhere. So even if I get a license to do cannabis, there's a good chance I'll keep doing the CBD herbal pre rolls because not everybody wants to get high, and it's a really beautiful product. It is. I think it's so necessary for that very reason that a lot of people are benefiting from it since it became legal in twenty eight twenty eighteen farm bill, and so people are really they find it very useful for a lot of, I mean, the, the anecdotal information I hear is fascinating and amazing. Yeah. I always learn something new. So I hope you do. Yeah. And I, yeah. And it's something that I've even, as I've started growing the CBD myself have been experimenting with it and, and really love it. Like I really, like I have 
had been sort of, you know, on medical marijuana. So that was always sort of my first choice. But the more I imbibe CBD, the more I like it and find that it gives me so many of the same impacts of THC without, um, you know, without the, any disorientation or any, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm never a bad, I don't think that euphoria is a bad side effect. <laughs> so. What did you have more challenges you wanted to discuss? I mean, you know, those are the big ones. Yeah. Just kind of getting yeah. the land in shape. I had the incredible joy. So I moved back here almost 10 years ago and spent the first five sort of just working and taking care of my mom. And in that process, I'd left my, I had left a husband back in California. It was time. Um, but I also uh, ran into uh, an old uh a friend from high school and he and I have now been together for the last eight years and he's been my farm partner. And so figuring out how to farm as, as a, as a couple has also got its challenges, but it's, it's also been a, an extraordinary amount of joy too. So, so what is the most um, surprising, joyful thing that you can uh, expect? Just being out on the land, just being outside I have this bird app that will listen to the bird song and identify the birds that are around me. I have a plant app so I can identify every single plant that's growing in our field. We are cover cropping. Uh, so the field is full of green before we put the uh, plants in. Um, and so that you want to make sure that, you know, that it's the field of green is things that are good and compa compatible with the CBD and not going to really compete with them. And so just being out there with the plants and the animals and working so hard that I'm dripping with sweat <laughs> and just, you know, I really, and, and getting to, you know, invite people out to help. Um, all of that has just been a joy. And just knowing that I'm taking this land that, you know, is my job to steward. I don't feel like the owner of this land. I feel like the steward of this land. That's how my grandmother was. It's how my mom was. Um, and so really finding new ways to steward this land um, and bring an, a plant back onto it. That's been really, it's actually kind of funny. My very first experience with marijuana was on this land as a child because our neighbors who are our tenants were, grow, were growing some marijuana up on the hillside and I found it when I was hiking around as maybe a 10 year old little girl <laughs> and had, had to tell my mother about it. And the sheriff came. I feel terrible. I got <laughs> <laughs> the good, the good. They He did cut it down. The sheriff cut down the plants and gave them a slap on the wrist. It was the 70s. Um, okay. and my mom said, oh, they're such good tenants. Please be nice to them. Uh, and then we proceeded, the sheriff was trying to shove the, I think they were like maybe seven or eight plants and the sheriff was trying to shove them into the back of his like squad car. And my mom said, Oh, we've got a burn pile. You want to just come burn it. And so we proceeded to get really high with the sheriff when I was about 10 <laughs> on this giant <laughs> pyre of burning marijuana. So I at least knew that it was going to grow here. <laughs> so. So a peak experience getting high with the sheriff at the age of 10. Yeah, yeah. That was my first experience with marijuana right here on this land. So I figured it was probably a good place to, you know, to, to you know, heal my karma. Yeah, <laughs> destiny. Yeah. Oh, funny. Did you, did you think of that afterwards about the feeling and? 
Uh, you know, it was, you that again, or did or did, was it something that just occurred in your? It was life? something that occurred, and I didn't really think about it. I re, my memory of it was that my sister had had hatched this gosling in class because we had geese and ducks and chickens. We were a big, you know, four H farm, and um, and she had hatched a hatched a gosling in, in her in her elementary school class, and. The gosling came home with us to be reintegrated with the flock, but goslings imprint on the person who is with them the most when they first hatched. So this gosling had imprinted on my me. sister. And yeah, and so my, my memory of it is that she's walking around in circles and zigzag patterns, and the gosling is following her everywhere. And we're all just laughing and laughing. And a break in the laughter comes, and my mom says, Is anybody hungry? And we all went inside and ate, including the sheriff. So that's my <laughs> very positive introduction to cannabis. As, a full as a experience. Yeah. <laughs> so you had the laughter and the munchies. Yep. All the best, all the best, all the parts. best parts. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's great. And um, so, and so you still have chickens and goats. Yes. On your hemp farm. And ducks. Yes. yes. And ducks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But no geese. No geese. That was one. My mom's like, oh, their poop is everywhere. They're obnoxious. They they will surround a car and honk at it. They're pretty. They got. We called them our guard geese when I was a kid, and nobody really liked them. <laughs> so it was like, you don't need geese. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Well, I I think I I'm sure I know the answer to what makes you so bodacious. But will you tell us about? your brand of bodaciousness and what yeah oh geez um i guess it's just you know i I, it's the love of the plant really when it comes down to it um having been a master gardener and having been a garden designer and maintenance person for most of my daughter's early childhood i fell in love with plants and i had grown up with plants and my grandmother was a garden club president and um you know i just and 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 cannabis is such a unique plant it is unlike any other plant and so i think i think what I guess if, you know, if I have something that makes me bodacious, it's my love for the plant and my love for the land and, you know, my desire to grow, grow it really well and, and bring it to people who, who need it. And maybe not the people who necessarily, like my target market is you and I, it's like menopausal women (laughs) and we want something different. You know, I think when I, I visit my daughter in California, we go to the dispensaries and there's like these, you know, pre rolls with. 30% 30% THC dipped in, you know, Roy Simpson oil with rolled in keef. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want that. You know, and, and I think that there's a lot of uh, older, you know, people in their 50s and beyond who want to experience this again, maybe uh, come back to it. And they, maybe they experienced it in the 60s or the 70s. And it's a different, this is a somewhat different plant. You know, the potencies that are out there are sort of madness. Um, and so I'm also really interested in creating a product that isn't the strongest thing you can possibly get, but is really more looking at varietals and and um, species or and, you know, cultivars that are specific for some of the needs of, you know, women our age. Um, and I'm excited about that. I feel like there, that's a niche that hasn't really been 
you know, filled even out in California, you know, it's hard to, I always go in and I say, I want something that's sun grown. I want something that's a woman farmer. And they'll usually have, you know, some options. Um, and I, and for Minnesota, I would love to be, at least for my read, you know, region, I'd like to be that option, you know, somebody, you know, and so hopefully as dispensaries start popping open, I can go in and say, Hey, you know, if women my age come in, maybe suggest this product, you know? Yeah. I, well, thank you for doing that because I am one of those. Yeah. That I don't, I was just in Vegas for a conference. Um, probably the only reason I'd ever go there, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but, uh, I went into a dispensary as I always do when I'm in a different city and, and all, everything was a hundred milligrams, the hundred milligram gummies. I mean, I can't, I'm a two and a half milligram person, yeah. so I can't even buy that because how do you, how do you slice up yeah, one yeah. gummy? I, I mean, it's just, and, and I don't know who can consistently take that because to, for my tolerance, I would be pasted on the couch for three days. Yeah. So it, I think it's a, it's a full spectrum pun intended of people yeah. that have, and this, what you're serving is a very definite niche and a need. Yeah. So thank you for doing that. Oh, you're so welcome. Where, it's my pleasure. And where can people find you? Where can we find you if we want to try those delectable pre-rolls? I'm just getting my packaging together now. So I have not sold, a, I've actually sold one pack of pre-rolls to a friend of mine <laughs> um, in a not the right packaging at all um, because she tried, I've been sa- sending out samples and doing some little survey testing with my friends uh, to see which herbs they like and which mixes go well together. Oh, smoking rose petals is like swoon. It's just divine. There's some really, <laughs> there's some really- I've never heard of that before. Yeah, we had the, we did, I did like a mugwort rose blend in one and it was so delicious and so delectable. Uh, so I'm trying to sort of figure out how to use the same packaging with a sticker on the back that is for different batches. So I'm really still very much in product development. My daughter is in the process of building my website right now, <laughs> but she's in Amsterdam, so she's not doing it right now. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I bet I can imagine well, this, where she might be here. Yeah, you know, this like think July will be our official launch where I will have packaging and a website and a place to purchase these products. I've had a number of friends around the area who have already said set me up with a display box. Um, so uh, check moms-farm.com uh, is my website and they will be available for sale on the website. And then I'm going to just try to get them in every every smoke shop I can possibly find. I've been having fun networking from afar with all the folks who were working really hard on legalization in Minnesota. Um, and so I'm hoping that I can, um, I, went, I went to the Minnesota hemp program uh, kind of uh, organizing meeting this year. I got to meet Winona LaDuke, which was, she's just a green party Fun. hero of mine. <laughs> so wow. that was amazing. I fangirled her. Um, <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, so it. Uh, the, I'm going to, you know, July, August, they're, we're gonna, they're going to be hitting the shelves and available on my website. Okay. So it's moms-farm.com. Correct. Thank you so much for joining me today and for this absolutely wonderful conversation. Do you have any questions about the 
the conversation we're going to have? Or? No, I've listened to a number of your podcasts and oh, you've okay. interviewed just some remarkable, incredibly impressive uh, women. <laughs> so I got fun? a little intimidated listening. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, it's not. Uh, I'm very uh, new, to, sort of new to the farm like running a farm as a business. I have a long history in nonprofits and local government and doing all sorts of extraordinary things in that area. But in my, uh, you know, early fifties decided I'm going to start a farm. Why, why not? Why not start a why farm? Why not? Especially mom's farm. <laughs> so yeah, I took over some family land and yeah, here I am. So I'm, I'm a little intimidated, but I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> oh, well, it's a conversation. So there isn't any reason to be intimidated. Yeah. And you what you're doing is me. fascinating. And I, I only, well, way back, I interviewed one farmer, Angela Duff. Yeah, but, the 40 Acres Project, yeah, right? But, but that's the only person that I've ever interviewed with. Yeah, that's what I saw on your list. I was like, where are the farmers? Well, it's, hard to find, <laughs> it's hard to find women farmers, first of all, and women farmers in cannabis. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's true. that's a, yeah. a sub, sub, sub specialty. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, by the way, I'm recording. I start recording right away. Just I figured you you were. I see the little red red light on. I do that just because the best conversations I have usually are before we start the official. Yeah. And I I was always (laughs) thinking, oh my god, I'm wasting this beautiful. And then I would try to replicate it during the interview, and it it never would happen. So I'm right. I'm just hit record right. when I start and smart. And yeah, no the only the only other question I had for you is I have been working with a lawyer here locally, and she's really interested in getting into you know more cannabis law, and actually like started putting a group together of other lawyers who were interested, and it was maybe a couple of years ago now, and they kind of decided it's too chaotic, it's too messy, we don't want in. But she was really disappointed that it fell apart. And so I would love to connect the two of you. Oh, sure. Um, What's her name? Because she's down here in La Crescent. She's, in, you know, she's down in the Southern. I don't think she's quite a competition. <laughs> I don't know how, comp- you know, oh, in I this don't world worry. of sort of competition and collaboration. I don't worry <laughs> about competition. There's, there are, there it. are plenty of clients. There's a lot of work to go around. And especially, I'd like, as I like to support women. So, you know, um, Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. When we're, when we're done with this conversation, I will make sure that, um, I find a way to connect the two of you. Okay. And so, and so since you've listened to the podcast, you know, which thank you so much for that. I'm excited to hear that. Um, it's, it's a, it's a labor of love and a passion of mine. Yeah, I can tell. And I really appreciate that. I really have fun talking to people, women. Um, yeah, yeah. So you know the sort of the general drill, and yeah, I'm going to yes. ask you what makes you bodacious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your unique brand, of and and I'll probably be interrupted by roosters crowing and cats right. and dogs. So I'll do, <laughs> I'll do my, I've do, done my best to soundproof my my space, but it's impossible. No, to add it or leave leave rooster crow in. Yeah, this yeah, is a far podcast, right? <laughs> or when I was. Yeah, when I was at my old, I quit my day job last year to full to dedicate myself full time to the farm. And uh, but before that, it was of course COVID, and I was in a nonprofit organization doing community organizing, and so Zoom calls were the norm, mm-hmm. and people would just get so excited to hear the chickens and the animals in the background. And I even did a uh, 
I did a tour, a bring goats to your meeting as a fundraiser for Habitat for Humanity, where I was working, <laughs> and did for a couple for a couple of people uh, made donations to Habitat so they could have my goats in their meeting, and that was pretty ridiculously fun. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> oh, good. So, um, well, let's roll. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll um, just take a little break here so the editor knows I'm starting the official. So five seconds and then I'll start in. Sounds good.